0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 298 of the Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Bailey Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's
1: going very well, thank you very much. Uh, Good to be back. We had a little hiatus, but, you know, uh, there's some things we need to speak about, so we're here.
0: Yes, absolutely. And we do have a special guest with us here today. I would like to welcome Miss Taylor Lyles to the show, and hopefully I pro- pronounced the last name correctly because uh, I do not want to uh, get sued if I if I was wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you 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 said my last name perfectly. Thank you, Rich. Um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you both for letting me come on the podcast. Um, it's always quite an honor when I get to get invited to join a gaming related podcast, of course.
0: Yes, uh, and you know I know we had tried to. Uh, Get you on the show sooner. But I know I'm glad that we were able to work out something today because, uh, yeah, there's a couple of things to talk about. Um, but before I get to that, let everybody know more about who you are and uh, the type of work that you that you've done.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so just uh, just to summarize exactly who I am in a nutshell, uh, outside of professional work, um, so I'm 24 years old. Uh, I live in the state of Maryland. Um, let's see, I've been working in the industry for a little over 10 years, around the same time as you, right, Rich? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, about yeah. 2000, to, to 2009 is when I joined
2: yeah yeah absolutely and um let's see um i also work um i've been like right now i'm an assistant editor at kill screen media uh for the agency 256 uh so i help with a lot of editorial content there um i do a lot of stuff overseeing editing for the intel gaming access newsletter or is gap for short Um, so you guys should check that out too. We also do a lot of special like sales and like giveaways and stuff like that. So, uh, I'll give you guys a link if you want to share it with your, um, with your fans later on, but it's definitely, um, a cool subscription. I was actually subscribed to it before I actually joined uh, the, my my new workplace. Um, and aside from that also, uh, I'm also a co-host, editor, and the producer of the Gamer Nation podcast. Um, we're currently on a like a month-long break, as we do, because we're in between seasons, but we should be starting up season five pretty soon, so um, that should be exciting.
0: Awesome. Yes, yes. definitely. I definitely would encourage everybody to check out that show. I've listened to that show a couple of times. It's very entertaining, so uh, definitely check out that, as well as all of the other work that Taylor has been doing, for sure. So, uh, on that note, let's uh, get into, before we get to the news, let's talk about what we have been playing. Uh, I think I'm going to put Gary on the spot first, just because I'm curious to hear him say, for the thousandth time, I have been playing Overwatch this week. So, so Gary, the floor is yours.
1: I have been playing Overwatch this week. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Of course I'm still playing Overwatch, uh, Nothing, no major updates to talk about with that. Um, I've been having a bit more time on my hands so I've been kind of jumping game to game a little bit. Um, i played some Watch Dogs 2 uh, just because I want to make sure I beat that game before Watch Dogs Legion comes out. Um, uh, I also played some Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 because that's another game I never completed. When it first came out, because um, there was a lot of other things out at the time. Uh, the the sad thing with that is, though, is it seems like a lot of people aren't playing that game online anymore. So I can't really um, enjoy all of the features like online battles and um, doing co-op missions with you know random people and stuff like that. But um, I'm just playing it single player basically, and it's still pretty fun if you're you know really into Dragon Ball Z. So I can still enjoy it pretty much. Um, And I've also been playing uh, the original Final Fantasy VII um, because, you know, that that game is a classic. And just seeing the new footage at E3 made me want to, you know, replay it again and re-experience the game and re-immerse myself in the story and everything. So I've been playing that quite
0: a lot as well. But um, that's pretty much it. Sounds good. Yes. So, Taylor, I'm going to go to you next. How about you let us know what you've been playing?
2: Oh, well, uh, so as you and I have talked, like, off like offline and things like that um i have all of the gaming consoles including like two gaming p- uh, pcs uh so on my pc i'm actually playing visage um i don't know if you two have heard of that game uh, it's an early access game that was funded on kickstarter uh many people are uh calling it like the successor to pt or what they envision pt would have been like if it came to fruition um because uh last week the developer um sad square studio they announced that uh a new chapter was actually going to be released and it's been uh a little almost a year since the the early it came out on early access so there was only like one chapter you could play through um so i've been you know playing through that because i haven't had a chance to finish it yet so i wanted to play it before the next chapter comes out uh on the third of this like of july Uh, I've also been playing Super Mario Maker 2 um, because that came out recently. Uh, Having a hell of a good time with that game. Uh, I I don't think it's as good as everybody's raving it to be. It feels like a very 7 out of 10 for me. Um, But I never owned a Wii U um, because I didn't see a reason to have one back then because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that made me want to buy it. There wasn't enough system selling exclusives, I guess I should say. Um, So uh, having not owned the original one, uh, I'm getting exactly everything I want. Uh, in what I expected from the Super Mario Maker series. So it's definitely, uh, a really fun game. I'm excited to see what kind of crazy levels, uh, the users are gonna make <laughs> through the years to come. Um, I've also been playing the Jack trilogy. Um, so I have all physical copies of the first three Jack games. Um, so I 100%ed Jack 1 and Jack 2. I'm really close to getting the Platinum Trophy in Jack 3. Literally, I just need like one more trophy for that. Um, and that's about it. What about you, Rich? What you been playing?
0: Well, let me say first and foremost, uh, yeah, you definitely sold me on Visage. Uh, I definitely need to upgrade, you know, my gaming life because I don't have a gaming PC yet. I've spoken with you about this multiple times saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to get one. And then always, you know, it takes a long time. But for sure, for sure, it's going to happen this year. You know, before this year is over, I would hope. Um,
2: yeah, like I said, if you want me to help you... Uh- find some pieces and stuff, because literally, I mean, and I've told you this too, like, you can actually, honestly, you can build, like, a PC that's on par with the Xbox One X for about the same price, actually maybe about $100, 150 more than what Xbox One X costs, so it seems like a pretty good bargain to me. So, But we'll, we'll, we'll speak more about it offline, um, and we'll, I'll get you squared out with that.
0: Yes, absolutely. I would appreciate that. But um, as for what I've been playing, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been playing... As much as you and Gary, there may may be about two games I will mention that I I spent a little bit of time with. Uh, I did dive back into Mortal Kombat 11, the uh, Shao Kahn DLC. Um, Once again, you know, I I, I have to say, this is definitely by far, in my opinion so far, uh, the best fighting game of the year. I am aware that Samurai Showdown is out right now. Haven't yet had the opportunity to play that game. I've heard a lot of positive things about the game. But it just appears to me one thing that I have heard is yes, Mortal Kombat 11. They give you so much content for the for the price of the game. Like I'm not talking about you know you talk about the uh, the DLC, but just the core game itself. There is so much content in that where you can spend hours on end, you know days hours on end just playing that game by itself. Um, so. Yeah, I dive back into it. Uh, I do enjoy the DLC for Shao Kahn. Looking forward to... I believe they announced that Nightwolf is going to be the next uh, character that they're going to have the DLC DLC for. And, of course, there's other characters they did announce, but we haven't seen any of that gameplay footage yet. So uh, looking forward to trying that out um, when that drops. Uh, Aside from that, I did spend a little bit more time with uh, Wolfenstein 2. Because I'm getting ready for that new, uh, you know, next game that's dropping this upcoming month. Yeah. Um,
2: end of the month. Yes. Yeah. For um, end uh, of July. Yeah.
0: I, I I have to say I'm very surprised that Bethesda decided to release it this soon as opposed to making it a fall game. But again, they have Doom coming out in November, so I totally understand that. But uh, I am very much looking forward to that that uh, that next Wolfenstein game because I didn't get a chance to play it at E3. That's maybe one of the games that I wish I could have played, but I uh, didn't really get a chance to check out the Bethesda booth because I had so many other appointments uh, that I had to play for lot, all, the, all these other things. But um, just diving back into Wolfenstein 2 and playing the other side because there were certain cho- choices that I made when I played it, played it through the first time. So I'm going back through the second time to see how things change with the other choices that I made. So, uh, But yeah, still a fantastic game. Uh, I still enjoyed the first game better than the second one. But, um, with all that said, I'm still looking forward to the next game. No, no doubt about that. Young, Young Bloods is going to be, uh, I mean, that's going to be pretty badass. Uh, so, we'll see. But, um, that pretty much covers what I've been playing and what we have been playing. So, we're going to go in and we're going to dive right into the news topics for this week. Uh, this first topic. I know when I saw this news story pop up that Gary was very angry uh about this particular news um <laughs> it, it's, it, it's definitely something uh is a bit interesting but I'm curious to hear what, uh, what what both of your opinions is on this so the first news to talk about we heard uh, reports that uh President Trump may implement a 25% tariff on Chinese manufactured products which of course that means game consoles will be priced a lot higher so we're talking about PS5 when that drops we're talking about the next Xbox and then whatever else Nintendo does uh, with this particular tariff bill if this goes into effect and I do understand that PlayStation Microsoft and Nintendo they are trying to band together to, 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 to fight this so Gary, I want to go to you first because I'm curious how this would impact uh, London, I guess, so to speak. Because I'm I'm a little confused. I mean, is the pricing the way that you guys price consoles? Is it higher than the prices are here in America, or how how does that work? And what are your thoughts on this particular uh, topic? Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, we pay more than you guys, but also the uh, the pound is is more valuable anyway. Um, so I guess that kind of makes up for it. But uh, this news mainly affects you guys, I think. Uh, or it affects you guys in the in the immediate. Because um, basically it would drive up prices for consoles and, you know, Chinese manufactured uh, hardware in, in the United States. Um, and, you know, the reason Sony... Microsoft and Nintendo want to fight this is because this could also mean a lot of job losses because the thing is if uh, the price of games are higher and you know game consoles, it means there's going to be less customers. Like customers uh, might be turned off by the spike in prices, and um, they might opt to just not buy you know the hardware and and, and games altogether. And um that would mean uh profit losses for a lot of, you know, gaming companies and everything. And that would lead to job losses. So part of their argument for this is that um, you know, um around two hundred and twenty thousand jobs could be, you know, at risk if this uh tariff were to go into place. And they also presented the argument that um the video video game market actually makes a lot of money brings a lot of business to the united states um which you know that's that's definitely a valid claim um and it's cool to see you know microsoft sony and nintendo just forming um assembling and you know fighting something like this because you uh, we, we're beginning to see how you know all these big tech companies kind of um, have an interest in in politics and the way the world is run and I find that fascinating personally like you know seeing what their stances are on, on certain things and um, just seeing them unify like this to, to fight um, you know uh, things that are going to uh, cause difficulties to an industry so um, I think it's good that you know certainly um, Microsoft, Nintendo are able to you know um, Band together when situations like this um, Threaten the market Um, Even though, you know, a lot of fans out there Like, we're used to them being in competition And, you know, I think some people Always see this as, like um, A negative thing to see them collaborating and stuff But this is the nature of tech companies They're always working together um, In some fashion behind the scenes We just see the surface level Competition but it's much deeper Than that you know so um, It's cool that they're You know unifying to kind of Fight this and I hope that um, you know, uh, Chinese relations and with America don't continue to go down this path because um, Huawei uh, sorry, I can't pronounce their, their name properly, but they were also hit by this um, by this whole thing that's going on with Trump um, I know the, uh, the Google, Android, you know, they're, they're not able to um, operate on, on those phones anymore or something like that so there's a lot going on right now so seeing these tech companies actually stand up and have a say in this stuff is, it's always like, a good thing to me. But what do you guys think?
2: Let's go with you first, Taylor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is, I mean, it's not even like, the fact that this is like, bad for just like, bad for like, the purposes of just like, the economy speaking for America, but That we're talking about a lot of gamers that are just going to be impacted negatively by this imposed like twenty five percent you know tariff on consoles and things like that. Uh, Like what you know Gary said that could decrease like there could be a lot of jobs loss. Um, there could be a lot of decrease in sales, which could probably you know devalue a lot of the stock for these three you know powerhouses in the industry. Not to mention more than half of like Americans they're actually gamers. Like um, I don't know if you guys ever read that gamer gamer segmentation. Report by the EEDAR, but it, they found that 67% of people in the United States play video games. So, of course, if you break that down, like uh 60% of them are mobile gamers and things like that, but 52% are playing on PC and 43% of them are console gamers. So you're talking about a lot of gamers that are gonna be off put by the fact that the prices of you know the PS5, which could come like next year. Along with, you know, the new Xbox console So if a lot of people are going to see these You know, these outrageous prices Gaming's already expensive as is We all know that So the imposed tariff is going to strike up those prices at unreasonable kind of like price tag, which is just going to decrease the amount of sales. And it's just going to hurt a lot of businesses in the process. It's not even going to just affect the console manufacturers. So it's not going to just affect the big three, but it's also going to affect these third party companies that are making games for these consoles, because you know, if there's not a lot of people that are going to buy these games and they have these big budgets, they're not even going to break even. So, uh, I'm glad to see that uh, the big three Are definitely rallying up together To try to implore Trump to not do this um, But like, I- I'm going to tell you right now like, If it does happen uh, There's going to be hellfire That comes from the industry And it's not going to be pretty for the administration Uh oh
0: I-, I-, I agree 100% With what you just had to say um, I and-, and here's a question That I, I believe that both of you can can also answer So If this was to actually go through, would this also mean an increase in uh, the software cost as well, so the games won't be $60 anymore?
2: I can see it maybe, I don't know if it would affect digital prices. Cause I mean, I remember back that, what was it? The seventh generation digital games were actually cheaper than the physical copies. And now it, it kind of like evened up now it has evened up now. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see how it could affect the price of like the, like the digital copies. I could see it maybe still being $60 and then the physical copies, you know, turn out to be whatever it is. Um, but uh, like Gary, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I could see maybe like just like the you know the sixty dollar price tag still being the same for um for digital copies, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I I think that would be the smartest strategy to keep the, uh, the digital prices the same as what they are now, or at the sixty dollar mark, and um, you know if if the physical copies need to. um inflate in price then so be it but you know at least if people begin buying the digital products that will make more money go directly to the uh manufacturers and the publishers and that might you know um that might help with some of the profit margins because they are probably going to suffer some profit loss um, if people stop buying, you know, products altogether. So.
2: Yeah, you know what is you know what I'm also thinking about now that now that this is like the topic of conversation, I'm sure that if this was to be implemented, I'm sure the prices of like game streaming cloud gaming services like the Google Stadia Xbox Game Pass. I'm sure those are definitely going to increase, and I, I wouldn't be surprised that if that did happen, that the increase of PC gamers would also ha- uh, be implemented as well. I could see, though. I could see, you know, cloud gaming and PC gaming definitely rise in more popularity if this was to go into effect for console gaming market wise. So.
0: Oh, yeah. so, 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 you, so, you, so you're suggesting that uh, Google would imp- they would approve of this decision if
2: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the Google City is there and I mean, I mean, if you think about it right now, I mean, uh, like myself included, I'm still a little bit naive as to how cloud gaming works. Uh thankfully, the interview that I have coming up um, is going to help kind of this uh this individual that's kind of like working in the in this and that type of industry for gaming. Uh, is going to help kind of explain a little bit more to those like myself who are a little bit, I don't want to, like, ignorant on the on the subject, um, but it's definitely, I could see, like, you know, or at least more companies kind of implementing something like that where it's just like, oh, a cloud gaming service. So it's like, oh, you don't even have to pay for the game, just pay for the subscription, and you have access to all these titles. Um, and then with the, the PC gaming, I mean, I mean, there are physical PC disks, don't get me wrong, but more PC gamers, like myself included, I have an all-PC digital library. So, I, I could see that, like, a lot of that cloud gaming and the, the PC gaming just have a higher, kind of have a higher value in the market than it does right now, just given the fact that this is a very serious thing that could really affect, like, what, two out of three households in America?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, 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 so as for my opinion on this, I I absolutely agree with what you both had just had to say on it. I I definitely am glad to see that Microsoft Nintendo and Sony are working together. I don't want to see this uh, particular thing get approved, but, uh, what I will say is that I am very interested to see what happens in 2020 because, uh, I don't, I don't. I don't. I You know. I don't. I don't want to get political on this show, but I. I feel like uh, there's a lot of changes that need to happen, not just uh, you know, uh, you know, regarding this particular topic. But uh, I'm very curious to know to see it. It all, it all starts with whatever happens next year, because I, I don't know when if they were to implement this. I don't know when it would go into effect. Um, but what I do know is that there's a lot that could change between now and November of next year. And I'm curious to know if people are actually going to remember all of the things that have happened over the last four years and will they take that into account when they do decide to vote? Because if they don't, then, um, hey, it can't be surprised what the results may be as a result of that later and how it impacts everything, because everything has, it has a paradigm shift. When you decide to do one thing, well, there are a lot of things that can happen as a result of that. So I'm very curious to see What's going to happen next year, um, when we de- when we determine who is going to be next to step into office, or whether or not we're going to let Trump remain in office, because that that's going to have an impact. Whether that's whether or not he's going to push this thing e- e- even further. But I am glad to at least know that Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo do see the problem and they're trying to address it and fight against it. So I guess we'll ultimately see where things go from here. <laughs>
1: Yep, let's just Twitter. hope uh, the, the gaming industry won't crash again like it did before.
2: Oh, gosh. Woo! Going back in time there, huh? I mean, yeah. I mean, it would definitely be a different, um, crash compared to the, the 80, crash of 85, just given the oversaturation of what's going on. And, and, it, you know, in some ways, uh, the industry is slightly oversaturated depending on who you speak with and depending on, like, what kind of, like, games you're into. Um, but in regards to, I could, I, I agree with Gary. I, I could see the industry crashing, uh, as a result of this, at least console gaming. So. It's it'll be interesting to see how things pan out.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Let's hope that let's hope that crash doesn't happen. Though. Uh, I I feel like that 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 would be uh man that would impact so many people. Working in the industry, it, you know it, you know uh, across it, everything that has to do with video games. So hopefully that that doesn't happen. But uh we'll see. So um any other thoughts on this topic? Before we move on to the next, or, or, or unless Gary, you had something else you
2: wanted
0: to add? Uh, no, that, that's pretty much it for me.
1: <laughs> so, he's, he's like, like I'm just chilling.
2: <laughs> Gary's like, I'm in the UK. I'm chilling. This won't affect me either way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, you oh, know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. America, yeah. America is is a huge part of uh, the gaming market. So I think if it did, you know, uh, cause a major stir that would still affect us as well, just because the quality of the games would shift. Um, and that would it would affect us that way. So it's like a domino effect kind of. So Oof. so yeah, it, it would still affect us in the long run.
2: Hmm. Interesting. So
0: so I, I I just I just have to ask this final question about this and, and uh I hate to go off topic, but I have to ask it, Gary. So would you seeing all the stuff that has happened here in America and with this particular thing looming, now would you say that you would still prefer to move to America, or would you prefer to stay in uh, the Brexit-affected uh, areas of London?
1: <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, if things are a little scary in in America right now with all this uh, political stuff going on. But um, I, I do love it, though. I love whenever I get the chance to come over there. And hang out with you guys. I always enjoy it, and you know I love it, and that makes me want to stay. Um, and of course, I got family over there. So I mean, you know, uh, I, at this point in my life, I you know I have like thirty plus years um, in in the UK, so I have a lot <laughs> of stuff here to stay for. But um, I, I will still visit the US frequently, you know, whenever I can.
0: Okay. Absolutely, understand, understand that. And uh, I, I and I have to say I'm, I'm I look forward to experiencing Brickset firsthand um, when I pick up Watchdogs uh, Legion next year. So there, there you go, because I don't know if I'm making a trip to London anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I I've always wanted to. It's on my it's on my bucket list.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you, yes. you guys need to come and check out London, man. For real.
0: One, 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 day. one day, perhaps. One day. Uh, you, perhaps. Uh, what is the uh, Gamescom? That's not in Europe, but that's yeah, wow. that, that is in Europe. Oh, no, it's same. in
2: Europe yeah, it's in. It's Europe. what is Germany? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in Germany. Well, that's definitely on my bucket list to go there. So we'll see if that happens. In yeah, the future. Uh, Tokyo Game Show is also on my bucket list too. Now that we're talking about, um, I would love like to overseas. Do that. <laughs> All right, road trip, road trip to Tokyo Game Show. It's confirmed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I've heard nothing but positive things about that show, also. So hopefully, one day we, we shall see. We, we can all make that trip. Um, we'll see. So uh, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, and I'm purposely re- repositioning these topics on this list, Gary, because the real meaty, meaty, <sighs> important topic. I want to get to that after this. We need to talk about this also. So the Nintendo Switch Mini. Uh, there have been rumors that there is a new Nintendo Switch model that may see the light of day. It's supposed to be uh, smaller in size, have built-in Joy-Cons that cannot be removed. And it doesn't come with a dock, but can be used with an existing dock. So, as I said, these are rumors at the moment. Uh, but I understand, Taylor, you told us before we started recording that you've heard a lot about this as well. So how about you start us off and tell us what you've heard about this and what are your thoughts on if this thing is actually going to to come out one day?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, there's plenty of, um, just like, Data and just like evidence that could hint that this could, you know, very well happen. I mean, it's not uncommon that a console gets an updated version, like like a mid like mid leap through a console generation, and they get like an updated model and things like that. It's it's nothing. This is nothing new. Uh, it's happened in every generation in one form or another. Um, so it, it's not surprising to see that the Switch is getting like its own kind of like updated console, so to speak. Um, so I mean, there's a few I, like the whole concept of it. I feel it's a a bit contradictory in terms of like what the switch is going for, but I'll get to that in a second. But um, when I when you think about it, I mean the switch is kind of pricey when you think about. I mean when you compare it to like what it offers in terms of like graphical prowess and things like that, like there there's a lot of evidence that can that can you know suggest to someone who is on a tight budget, uh, is it really worth you know investing in this like in this gaming system? Um, so I think it would be great to see them have this option for those who want to play it. It's like the equivalent of the the nintendo 2ds so um and you know it's like uh, it like from what i've been hearing it sounds like it's gonna be that very convenient sort of like kind of handheld i think it's a little weird that they would have joy cons kind of like stick together but i guess it makes a little bit of sense in some degrees because it's like uh strictly a handheld system in that but in to a degree um so I'm not surprised that even if it if it does come out that there's no like doc for it because you know it's supposed to be more of like the oh take it with you on your on a train ride or take it with you on vacation things like that but if, if it, if it does come to that where it's like, okay, we're gonna make a, a mini version of this and the Joy-Cons are gonna be stuck to the screen altogether. So you can't, <laughs> you can't take the Joy-Cons off if you wanted to. Um, I think that it, it kind of just counter, it's a little contradictory and a bit of an oxymoron to what the Switch originally was. I mean, when I first saw the Switch and like, you guys, like, please give me your thoughts on what your kind of like thoughts were when the Switch was first revealed. But when I first saw the Switch, I, I saw it as this hybrid, oh, system that combines everything great about console gaming as well as everything great about portable gaming Um, the ability to take you know just throw on some joy cons take it with you play it on a plane ride put it back on docked mode whip out a controller and just you know play the same game on your just on a bigger screen like it's definitely like that's one of the reasons why I was so Oh, Lord, by just like the Switch and what it has. I feel like if, if the proposed model is what it says to be, I feel like it's definitely focusing a lot more heavier on that to-go portable gaming on more of that handheld console gaming than what the original Switch was marketed to be as. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there should be a, 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 another alternative option or a cheaper option for those who want to get into the Switch, because David it, it would, it would, this would definitely be a lot more accessible for those who want a Switch and just can't afford one, but at the same time, I feel like it's sacrificing a lot of what makes the Switch so amazing. But wh- what are your thoughts on it?
0: I, I Okay, Gary, Gary, do you want to go first? Or- yeah, um, so I've
1: actually been thinking about getting a Switch for a long time, Um, I'm just waiting for, you know, the right time and the right deal. Um,
2: Overwatch on Switch.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's exactly what he's waiting for.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that too. But, um, no, as far as this Switch Mini, I, I thought about, you know, whether this would be something that appealed to me. And I can honestly say that I don't think it is. Now I do think there's a market for it. I think there's um, people out there who like the idea of the Switch, but they plan to play it, um, you know, on the go and on the move most of the time. And I think this would appeal to them, um, and may- maybe also to the younger market as well. Maybe this would appeal to them. Um, but I kind of want both options. You know, I want the ability to use the dock as well as you know bring the games on the go as well. So I think I would get the OG Switch um, over this Switch Mini, but I see the appeal of it because uh, this is basically like a, a replacement for the DS. Like this is the the new uh, evolution, I guess. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's strictly handheld, you know. Um, it plays all the games a Switch play, and you bring it on the move with you. So this pretty much is the new DS, but you know, obviously it's a Switch. Um, and I mean it's still compatible with the old Joy-Cons as well it's just the fact that it has the, the uh, it has it some matches. that are mm-hmm. built in yeah so um, I mean and you, you can also if, if you have an existing Switch you can use this one with the dock that you already have but at that point I don't know why you would want the additional one anyway so um, unless you have multiple people you know, in the household and somebody wants a Switch Mini but But yeah, I mean, I think it would appeal to a small amount of people, you know. Um, But for me personally, I I would still buy if I didn't own a Switch at all. If I, you know, for for all the people who don't own Switches, um, I would, I would still go for the OG Switch over this one. Um, So I'm, I'm interested to see what the price difference will be, you know, when this is actually announced, like, because that will be a huge factor as well. Um, Because you know, if it's like. Uh, $200 or something like that like uh, how much is a Switch at the moment in, in the US Uh
2: two ninety nine ninety nine I believe
1: oh okay that, that's, that's a lot cheaper than it is here um, but...
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, uh, I mean if it's like you know maybe the $100, $150 mark or something like that um, I don't know um, then that's probably a good deal yeah but um, yeah, it, it really depends on what the price range will be. So
2: I could see it. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I could see it being the um, like hundred dollars less than, or like a hundred and like fifty dollars as the MSRP, or at least in America. I don't know about I don't know about the UK, um, but I could definitely because like I, the way I see it, like not only is it more of like designed more for those people who are gonna more than likely play it on the go. But also, I think this is just a a better, cheaper alternative for those who want the Switch but can't justify paying $300 for one but still want to get that experience. And again, piggybacking off of what you said too, because I was literally thinking about that off the top of my head when you brought it up as well, um, is... I mean, like, I I hate to say it, uh, but I I think we can all agree as a collective that the Nintendo 3DS is pretty much dead in terms of first-party games. Uh, Not to say that I'm sure third-party developers are still gonna make games and stuff like that for the 3ds but I feel like Nintendo is definitely investing a lot more uh, with the Nintendo switch especially with it's just and it, and currently it's just a beast that can't be fed and um, so I mean and even if you look at some of the games that have been coming out on the switch or and the versus the 3ds and just kind of comparing kind of like the exclusives and the quality of those first-party exclusives. Not to say that some like they're shit on the 3ds, but like yeah, if you uh, like, as someone who has a Switch and a 3ds, like if, when I look at the um the exclusive side aside, I'm more inclined to pick the the Nintendo Switch first-party exclusives over the 3ds ones. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So so I I would like to answer a few questions. So I um. To answer your question about my reaction was when I first saw the Switch. I, um, I did have some skepticism because I know that when Nintendo rolled, rolled this out, like the announcement came, uh, of the system and literally a few months later is when the system came out. Cause I believe it came out in the spring, um, when it did launch. And typically, you know, consoles don't, well, at least in recent years, they don't launch in the spring. They always launch in the fall. So I was already skeptical because of that. Then I saw that they were making, you know, what the Switch actually was, where you can use it on the go and stuff like that. I thought that that was great, but I know they have the 3DS, so I still wasn't really entirely, you know, understanding of how much that would catch on. Then you add in the fact that Zelda was a launch title. And I know I definitely love Zelda, but I was of the mindset that in order for a Nintendo console to launch you have to have a Mario game as the launch title so I was skeptical on all three of those things and within a couple of months after the Switch was announced and then I know that they had that Nintendo that Nintendo Direct at E3 when they announced all they were working on then I was like okay yeah I was wrong to be skeptical this was an excellent idea by Nintendo they have convinced me that I want to get a Nintendo Switch um, so you know I would say that for them to introduce this new model, whenever they decide to do it, I mean, I think it's it's great to give people options. But I agree with what you said, Taylor. Uh, you don't want to take away what is so great about the Switch right now. Uh, I, I I personally think if they were to launch this this uh, smaller Switch version, this may come next year when you know Sony releases their the next the PS5 and we get the next Xbox. I say that because. I'm pretty sure that Nintendo, they may want to have another console coming out at that time, not a new Nintendo per se, just another option for people who want to buy a Switch but they don't want to pay the full price for a Switch. So they may consider dropping it at that time or they may just consider dropping software because you know they are working on a ton of titles. That new Zelda game, it doesn't have a release date yet. You know it's in development. The new Metroid game, it's in development. We don't know when it's coming out. So... They could just as easily release software next year, the bigger title people want to play, or they could say, well, we need to drop some new hardware for people, and, you know, this could be what what they actually ultimately do. But uh, I have to say, uh, Nintendo has done an excellent job proving to me that I definitely need to get a Switch because even this past E3, the Nintendo Direct, that made me feel like, okay, yeah, I need to get a Switch. And I already wanted to get a Switch anyway, Because there are titles on that console right now that I want to play. But uh, now, you know, I definitely, definitely, absolutely positively have to make it a point to get one sooner rather than later. Because, yeah, they've definitely shown me that they have the software. And then they also have the third-party support, which is another thing that I didn't think the Switch was ever going to have. But it is catching on now. It does not have games like uh, Cyberpunk 2077. You won't see that on the Switch, but hey, you never know. That that (laughs) might happen in in the future, you know, you never know. I mean, hey, they got
2: the Witcher 3 coming out, so...
0: (laughs) Exactly, so it's definitely possible at least, you know, it's possible to think about what the future can hold, but uh, yeah, I I 100% am sold on the Switch, so if I was to get a Switch well, when I get a Switch, I'm probably gonna go with just a standard Switch. I don't know about this mini, uh, if this thing comes out, but um, yeah, Nintendo... I must admit, I was skeptical. Not, not anymore. I'm 100 percent sold on this. I see it's still selling well, and I also find it very fascinating how the games they released on the the Wii U, such as you know, uh, you know the Smash Brothers and you know Ma- the Mario Kart game, pretty much re released on Switch, and they constantly are on NPVs every other month. So that tells me, yes, this device is a success. It's still selling like hotcakes. So I absolutely positively need to get one. Deal, de- de- deal or no deal, I definitely gotta gotta get one.
2: <laughs> so in a way, it is a deal.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. It's a deal or no
2: deal, but still a deal.
0: <laughs> and regardless of there are any sales, I I, I think it's 100% worth the price. But uh, yeah, I have to get one.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I'm someone who loves JRPGs and I feel like oh, Nintendo oh. Switch is becoming like, the number two best platform for JRPGs with the number one is currently PC, believe it or not, because there's, no, a, I can believe that. <laughs> there's an influx of JRPGs coming to Steam right now. So I'm, I'm loving that, especially with the sale. Like there's so many games I have my eye on at the moment. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like I definitely need to get a Nintendo Switch because they have a lot of exclusive JRPGs that I want to play. So. Well.
0: Well, 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 Gary, I, I, I hate to put some, some pressure on you, but uh, I just want to remind you, the new Fire Emblem game is coming out in July. So, uh... Whoa, whoa. uh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, definitely think about that because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming to Nintendo, but yeah, I know that's coming out because I was looking at the July releases, and yeah, that that's on there. So, just I be aware of that. The corner,
2: though. <laughs> yeah. You got, got some time.
0: <laughs> yes. A dragon quest
2: 11 s definitive edition um and i know some people are saying like oh well you can get it on the ps4 or the pc i was like yeah but can you change the art style because you can do that on the switch version and plus there's just so much other new content that you can't get on the other two versions um that honestly i think i'm gonna probably double dip and get <laughs> dragon quest 11 on on my switch because it was one of my favorite games of last year for the ps4 so um, but there's just, but yeah, I agree with, with Gary. Uh, the Switch is just becoming quite the powerhouse in terms of JRPGs, and I love that its library is constantly growing, and it's, there's no indication of a slow, like a slowdown anytime soon.
1: Indeed, and uh, Richard, Richard knows of my uh, obsession with Final Fantasy, and the fact that I buy all all the old Final Fantasy games again on every device that I own so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah that that will probably happen again
0: if i get a nintendo switch absolutely so so in other words th- th- that's also code for if he gets a nintendo switch and you want to get him a a holiday present now you know exactly what to get gary now that that's, that's <laughs> what that also means that's why he said that so <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll keep that in mind i'll About, keep like that in mind
1: six months away everyone so you know
2: get your Black Friday wallet ready
0: yes absolutely alright so any other thoughts on the Switch Mini before we move on to the next topic Uh, that's pretty much it for me yeah okay so this topic is the uh, the mini topic that I'm pretty sure everybody came for here today talking about uh, the Playstation 5 which as we know from history and from, you know, with the coalition and Twitter and all this other stuff that a lot of people said that Gary is not going to get a PS5 because of the censorship stuff with Sony. So uh, I'm very curious to hear what the thoughts are going to be on this. So obviously there's been some news. Wall, St- Wall Street Journal put out an article, which I do see that Gary has linked here, in which uh, Sony had mentioned that they are going to focus on hardcore gamers for the next console and they also mentioned in that that uh the indie dev, the, the 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 independent developed games uh they will still get you know they will still be they'll still be on the contra- on the console of course but they're not going to be featured as prominently as the the triple A games that they want to cater to uh, hardcore gamers instead uh now i also saw an article it mentioned that sony wants to focus heavily on third party deals uh, which is something that I know Microsoft did with the Xbox, Xbox 360, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, Sony pretty much laying out a, a groundwork for, which will make them uh, much more attractive and competitive when it comes to Xbox and, in in, you know, moving forward with the next console because they do not consider Nintendo competition, which was also stated in that article. So um, a lot of very powerful, hard-hitting things that were said in that article Uh, How about we go to you first, Taylor? What were your thoughts on some of the stuff that was said this week regarding PS5 and their focus on hardcore gamers for next gen?
2: Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that they said they wanted to take that heavier emphasis on hardcore gamers. I mean, because like when you think about it, too, in the grand scheme of things, um, if you try to be this happy medium for you know, casuals and hardcore gamers. You could alienate the hardcore gamers as a result because it's like, okay, well, this is going to appeal to both, but it's clearly has enough like tone to say this is for anybody who just wants to just pick up the game or they just see the a commercial and like, oh, this sounds interesting. I think I want to play this. Uh, so I think uh, a lot more focus on trying to cater to their to their dedicated fans um, and not even just dedicated fans or the fanboys, but I'm talking like you know, people like us, people that love gaming as a whole um, so i think focusing more on that is definitely going to be great i am really concerned about the just the exposure for these indie developers because um, in my opinion i think indie developers are the backbone of this industry there's so many really good indie titles that are out there right now that don't get a lot of exposure and uh, you know a lot of people think oh it's just because they just don't want to do that or they they're just lazy and things like that. i was like no i mean have you ever tried to make a game like a, be a one person studio and try to sell your game like it, like it's expensive to market and get the word out especially in this hyper competitive industry um so i think it's going to definitely hinder um indie developers as a whole if they want to get their game out on the PS5. But at the same time, this is a a very good gateway for Microsoft and Nintendo if Nintendo decides to, you know, enter the 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 new console market early, which I don't think they will just given how good the sales are with the Switch right now. But this is a good – this will really help Microsoft get a good head start into the the next generation uh, of gaming, Uh, but especially with all the support that Microsoft is doing now, I mean, because, like, even, like, in the beginning of just, like, this generation, like, Microsoft definitely... Fell behind very quickly with the lack of like well, I, like, I, like with the lack of really it's not like I know they I know Microsoft has exclusives but when you compare the quality of the exclusives compared to PlayStation uh, a majority of them are very subpar and just painfully mediocre and they're like out of all the Microsoft exclusives there's only like a small handful that are actually like worth buying a console for like buying it just solely for the first party titles um, so the fact that they have been very open about saying like, hey, we're acquiring all these studios. We're getting these these mid-tier uh, developers. We're also getting some of these indie studios that show a lot of promise and giving them more exposure, giving them like some of our money to help them thrive and help them succeed, because uh, you know, even with like the previous generation, Microsoft had a lot of support for these indie developers, and, and that was one of the things that really helped them kind of thrive. And w- what made me feel, in my opinion, at least, why I felt like Microsoft won that generation just by a little bit, not a whole lot. Not, it wasn't like a landslide victory, but it was just it, it just got them just a, a little bit over the edge. So, uh, I think Sony should reconsider trying to uh to shun these indie developers because i feel like there's gonna be a lot of indie titles like i mean like cuphead is a good example of that like you know i mean like you know, like sony doesn't want to miss the next cuphead because if they do this what if they do do that what if you know suppose there's there's just like a a slew of just different indie titles that are coming out on microsoft's console everyone's like okay so you know i just feel like it's just i feel like they're just not thinking that far ahead which okay that's a bit of an oversight And, you know, like, I get that, but I mean, they do have a lot of promising, you know, IPs right now under their belt that could definitely kind of compensate that. But again, in terms of, like, the people who love indie games, you're definitely alienating those games, because those are hardcore gamers as well. Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, And and, and to go to what you said about the indie devs, because I'm going to go to Gary after this, um... If I was to to think of why they would make this decision, uh, how much money did Sony invest in No Man's Sky? Because we know that that game it had some some it had some issues. Um, I'm I wondering if that if that left a bad taste in their mouth, and they said, you know what, we need to stick with what we know works, which is the AAA stuff, and let's just put more money into that instead of the indie stuff. But that's just a question. For you guys I don't know what your opinions are on that Uh,
2: I mean I I, like I mean I think like I, I think I understand the whole like concept of why they should be a little bit like on the suspect of like making sure they're not investing money because they did get they got backlash for it when No Man's Sky did come out in the state that it was in um, they got shit for it and they had to say, hey, we, we were just publishing the game. We didn't, we had no say in the development, which I think that's how a publisher developer relationship should be. Unless the publisher owns that IP, they shouldn't really be micromanaging what's going on in the development cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, like what, what Hello Games did was false advertisement. So I can understand why it has a bad taste on their mouth um, just because of that. But I, 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 sh- I don't think they should let that one really bad experience just like completely just shun other developers, especially when you consider there's a lot of people out here who sacrifice so much of their life and so much of their finances to make this game come out, like Dustin Elysian Tale. It was literally a guy who was, like, what, living in his parents' basement, eating off ramen noodles for, like, what, a few years, maybe three, five years, and he made one of the best damn games that ever has ever came out in this generation. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, they need to have, I guess, a, a subdivision Vision of people that can kind of help, uh, I guess curate this sort of thing. Similar, kind of like it, kind of like I, or at least has something like what Square Enix has in the form of the Square Enix Collective, where they're giving these indie titles like their exposure and things like that. But even then, that's its own kind of like entity, but it's still under the Square Enix brand. Maybe doing something like that should be something they should look into. But I think completely. Uh, hindering these small indie devs is going to help is going to affect them on the long term, especially if they can if they say, no, this is like our firm like thing. Like this is what we're going to do. And not to mention too, Google Stadia is coming out, too. So who's to say that those indie like Google might not kind of buy like, you know, get an exclusive deal and have that on their streaming service? I think they're missing out on some on some money. Uh, it's one of those things where you really just have to focus, and it, it's really hard. I mean, it's even with, like, new IPs, even with, like, AAA first-party IPs, like, you don't know if that game's going to be good. The game could blow zebra dick, but how are you supposed to know? Like, oh, it's a AAA <laughs> title, so it must be good. That doesn't mean anything. There's so many games I could, that we, we, we all could list that were AAA titles that were just straight shit. So, it, it, like... I guess the I guess just to sum it up, uh, like a a shit game could be in any form. It could be in the form of an indie title. It could be a triple A title. It could be a mid tier title. Like it's there's no kind of like restriction on who it affects. It can affect anyone. Uh, There just needs to be a lot more of a closer eye on what's going on and a lot more transparency in that. Without, but without, not, but not, just not making sure they're not overstepping any boundaries. Because like I said, if a publisher doesn't own an IP, I personally don't believe they should have any say or any heavy influence on a development cycle of a video game.
0: I agree, 100%. So uh, I have some thoughts, but I want to go to Gary first to get the, his opinion on Sony's uh, decision to focus on hardcore gamers for the next gen. Yeah, I uh, mirror a
1: lot of uh, Taylor's thoughts. Um, I think that's a bad idea to just double down on AAA games. uh, Just because you're in a position to right now, Um, I I think that's uh, bad thinking. Because like Taylor said, um, the the AAA uh, mainstream games are in danger of becoming stale. At this point, because <laughs> you know, if you look at all of them, they're making mistakes. They're doing all these live games and, and, you know, they're, well, they're putting out weak products and expecting us to stay in the long term until well, there's more content. And, you know, there's well, a lot well, hold on. Bad, bad practices going on. Uh, go
0: well, 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 hold on. So, so, do, do, I, I believe that you have some examples of some of these games from, 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 from your own
1: uh, personal experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, you know, uh, Anthem and
0: Fallout, Fallout seventy six. Yeah. You know. Oh, Fallout seventy six.
2: I mean, hey, listen, I'm a like I'm a Bethesda fan girl. I love Bethesda. I'm a big fan of the Fallout franchise. But even I can admit that when Fallout seventy six launched on the day that it launched, that game was nowhere near ready. Nowhere near ready. It needed at least another eight to nine months before you sh- they should have released it. And to be quite honest, it should have been a whole new year before that game had came out. That game was not was not done. It was not complete. Saying that game was broken would be an insult to games that do come out. Like, even if they're not good games, it, it just seems like a slap in the face to those games that actually were finished and they are just poorly optimized and things like that. It was not a complete game.
0: So, so it sounds like both of you would say that Bethesda gave us seventy six reasons why we should avoid Fallout seventy six.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's yeah. the name
0: of the title. Yes. That, that's yeah. what it sounds
2: like. And don't get me wrong. They're 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 redeeming themselves. They they have been redeeming themselves with like with constant updates and things like that. Don't get me wrong, but um just like but what what happened in that whole like the during its launch in the first few weeks of its post launch what should never have happened especially Bethesda a company that had such a great reputation that almost lost that reputation in its entirety because of what happened yeah. it just it's just a it's just it's one of those reasons why well first off I think it, it it's one of those I think there's like a several other themes that really focus on that such as crunch time and quality control and things like that so there's a lot of things that you could really talk about that are just common themes, especially right now today's climate for the industry that I feel like definitely affected its launch. Um, but I guess let that be an example of what not to do, especially when you have a franchise that's as popular as fallout and with a company as popular and as renowned as Bethesda, that things like this should just never happen. And like I said, that's a good example of why they shouldn't just like focus entirely on those triple A games. Because uh, you could have a product like that come out. And a lot of these games... I, I don't get it now either. I don't know why a lot of these companies are focusing on the long game when these games come out. Because there's so much other stuff that comes out throughout the year that you can't expect a lot of those people to come out at launch... And all of them to just stay in the long game. It just doesn't work like that. I guess because everyone's so, I guess because the industry's just kind of like, oh, it's such a standard for like season passes and things like that, that we just anticipate people to stay on the long game. But whether the game, the, the content's free or not, that doesn't mean they're always going to stay. I mean, there's so yeah. much other stuff that they can be playing that's new and fresh that they're going to want to play. Like you can't just expect everybody to want to stay with you in the long game. It's, it's worked in some, it's worked in some aspects. Uh, Destiny, two is a good is a good example of that um, I'm tra- Rainbow six siege is a good because I when siege came out it wasn't that good but then they continuously wanted to worked on it it became a popular eSports title they keep still releasing releasing content for it but not every game's gonna be like that and you can't you can't go in thinking that it's gonna be like that because you're setting yourself up for failure
0: that's absolutely true uh, and, and, and one quick question I do have. I know Gary has played this. You, you've also played it. Would you both say that uh, they've done a good job with uh, the Elder Scrolls Online and the fact that they always update that oh, yeah. with content? Yes, hey,
2: I, I 100% agree. They've done a great job with that.
0: So, that that so yeah. So, so as you mentioned, there, there are some, some people that... Uh, some some games that, that that do a good job with that, but others that don't. So, but but the point that you both made about the the AAA titles there shouldn't be the focal point, I agree a hundred percent on that. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, I, I know Gary. I believe you were going to say a few other things, so I'm, I'm going to let you continue with what you were going to say, and then I'll give my thoughts.
1: Yeah, just uh, you know, I mean, Sony has had some uh some of their like first party stuff has been really great this generation, but um. I don't think it's a good strategy to, you know, double down on uh, all the AAA stuff um, and just rely on that. And, you know, I mean, that's that's not appealing to hardcore gamers because hardcore gamers play everything, not just AAA. We play indies and, you know, different things. And I feel like a lot of innovation comes from the indie scene as well. Uh, so when the the AAA games get stale, usually it's the indies that uh, you know bring fresh life and fresh ideas to the mix, um, and I I feel like that always inspires you know the big publishers to, to to implement some of these things that the indies are doing as well, and sometimes you know that even gets the attention of uh, you know big companies, and these people actually get employed, they get jobs and everything, so. Uh, it makes the industry go around, you know, by having both sides. Um, so they shouldn't double down on just on just AAA. They should also, you know, um, invite the indies in. Maybe have like a an indie section, um, you know, um, and and possibly highlight some of the, the the major ones, you know, alongside the AAA games as well. Because um, it's not enough to just have like a separate section for indies. Because sometimes people won't even look at that. Um, they should also you know be willing to promote some of the the more notable indie works as well alongside the the big marquee video games so they need to you know be actively doing things like that um, to to help the industry move forward and I feel like if they continue to shun these indies then you know Microsoft is going to do what they did before and double down on indie stuff and They're going to be like the go-to place You know, them and Nintendo basically And PC are going to be the places to go If you want, you know, more indie stuff And um, Sony might end up losing a lot of interest uh, That way So so yeah, I mean It's it's cool that you're, you know um, Trying to lock down a lot of these AAAs And get some timed exclusives and things like that But definitely... Do not shun the Indies, because you never know what can come from that scene.
0: Uh, I I agree 100%. Um, See, see, the thing about all of this, from from my point of view, is, uh, yeah, I I, I think you both are 100% correct. You know, it's always great to diversify and have a lot of different things for a lot of different audiences, uh, when the PlayStation 4 came out, I did feel as though they were focused a lot on, they did have a lot of indie titles. They did launch with a lot of indie titles in addition to a couple of exclusives. And the indie titles definitely, you know, from my perspective, they did pretty well. So I don't understand the decision to uh, focus more on the AAA. Um, Nintendo and Microsoft are already using this to their advantage because, you know, ID and Xbox, they have their thing. And then Nintendo has the Nintendes because they had they, they did have that showcase event uh, I believe right around GDC time. I know about that because I did get an email about that particular event. But uh, yeah, Nintendo and Microsoft are taking advantage of, you know, giving the, the independent developers as much shine as possible, which is is great. So I mean I, I don't entirely think that Sony will will continue will will just get rid of all of indie support. They'll still have some support. Obviously, I don't think they're going to showcase it as much as Nintendo and Microsoft are doing now. But the other thing that I found interesting about that article, and I know we didn't really touch upon this, is that it did mention that they want to focus on the AAA titles, but they also want to focus on you know, better graphics and higher fidelity on the console, so as to say that the PlayStation 5, this is the, the, this will give you the best version of the game possible. And that particular thing is the strategy that Microsoft did with the Xbox 360. You know, you kept hearing a lot of the third party ports where they just were fantastic on the 360 as opposed to the PS3. But now Sony is basically saying, we want to have, the, this is, the, you want the best version of the game, it's going to be on PS5. And I don't really know. What this? I don't really know really how to perceive that particular message because we don't know yet what the specs are for either of these consoles. We've heard rumors. We haven't really seen them, it, you know, how they will perform in person yet. So we can't really say which console is going to have the best between the next Xbox and the PS5. But uh, I did want to get you guys' opinion on that particular thing because I did see that in a couple of articles that they... Want to focus on graphics as well, so they want to definitely give gamers the best experience possible on PS5. So, Taylor, you have any thoughts on that particular uh, topic?
2: Yeah, in terms of graphics, I mean, well, I mean, I feel like the I, I feel like the emphasis on graphics is a bit twofold, because um, there are a lot of hardcore gamers that are also graphics whores. but there are also a lot of gamers, hardcore gamers that don't really care about the graphics uh for me myself um i don't want to i don't consider myself a bit of a graphics whore um just because there's so many different games that have so many different art directions and art styles that i I feel like it's a bit unfair to want like you know so much like hardware to have so much power and graph. like you know what i mean like because so i mean in terms of like graphics i feel like when people always played like console games i feel like graphics weren't always such a such a like a, a it felt more like an afterthought but then when the xbox one x came out then you had all these people that were interested in graphics but personally me personally me speaking i always call like the xbox one X uh, a poor man's a poor man's version of a of a 4k capable pc uh but i'm not wrong in some degree so but uh <laughs> exactly, like, change my mo- like, change my mind. Um, and I, I just feel like a lot of people that really put a focus on graphics, those people more than likely already have a PC or at least have a, uh, a powerful mega machine for a PC. I don't think a lot of these people that are graphics whores are always playing on their consoles. I, and, and not to say that PC gamers don't also own consoles. I am one of those people, but at the same time, like, when I'm playing Like my consoles, I'm more worried about necessarily like how much like how fun is this game going to be like in in terms of like exclusives and things like that and there's like different genres that I prefer to play a console on and again like when I look at a game and when I used to critique games uh, of course like graphically I would you know talk about the art direction and the style and things like that but it wasn't always a a major driving point of how I saw like how I looked at a game I'm more worried about what the game offers to me like how much fun am I going to have like is it fun to play like the, like, it, graphics aren't a make or break for the quality of a game. A game could look so damn beautiful, but if it plays like shit, it doesn't mean anything.
0: Absolutely. I agree 100%. Plus, uh, I, and I know some people will get mad when I say this, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that PS5 and the, X, the next Xbox will be impressive, but... When you talk about the performance, the graphics, all this other stuff, I think we already know what will be the best play to best place to play a game that isn't an exclusive. That's PC. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> yes, yes. So, Gary, now, we're, we're, you go ahead, uh, your, 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 your your opinion on, on this stuff.
1: Yeah, um, so there are advancements that can be made on consoles such as um, 4k being the standard for every single game mm-hmm. and uh, ray tracing and even you know 8k maybe but um i in my opinion i feel like we're at a point where every game looks great and i i think innovation in gameplay is more important right now than than uh graphics so um, I feel like I agree. They, yeah, exactly. Um, and you were pretty much saying the same thing. So yeah, I, I feel like innovation in gameplay is what the industry should be striving for right mm-hmm. now. Um, and graphics have they have come as far as they can go at the moment. I mean of course do all those things I mentioned, you know, make it four K, uh, add ray tracing and all these different uh, features. But, you know, I, I feel like we need to see some innovation in, in the actual games themselves. Um, especially when you have things like VR headsets. I feel like there hasn't been enough done with that yet. Um, especially from Sony's side because, you know, they have uh, a VR headset and I feel like they don't push it uh, as, as far as they could.
2: Oh, I'm so glad I'm the only one who... <laughs> I thought I was the only one who, who thought that as well. Oh
1: Oh, no, I've definitely been critical of them for that, because I I hope that's something they're they're going to focus more on with the PS5, um, because, you know, I don't feel like it's fair for all those people who bought the headset and everything, I don't think it's fair that there hasn't really been a major push, you know, um, with VR games and stuff.
2: And, you know, speaking of that too... Um, Gary, now that you brought it up as well, um, even looking at the PlayStation VR, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's there's s- several AAA VR titles like Doom, VFR, Skyrim, things like that. But when you look at the library for the PlayStation VR, a good majority, if not all of like, you know, like I'd say probably 85% of those games, they're all, you know, indie games. <laughs> so if they decide, like, and I, I believe. They said that the PlayStation VR would be compatible with the PS5. So if they are going to double down and just focus on AAA titles, then we need to see more innovation in the development to see if these, to make sure a lot of these AAA games are going to have VR capability like Resident Evil 7, things like that. But if they decide to do what they're currently doing now, it's going to. Basically, be a slap in the face to PlayStation VR users. And please, please, Sony, please get updated PlayStation Move controls. <laughs> they were not meant for VR. <laughs> like they were not. They're so frustrating to play, especially since so many of the games require them to play that compared to the DualShock. Or like, please, you gotta update those things.
1: Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, you can made excellent points right there um, they, they are definitely Because even on PC I mean, I don't even have a VR headset But I see the amount of You know, in the VR stuff That's being released you know. And I, lately I've been keeping my eye on A lot of VR related things Because I've actually been considering getting A VR headset So um, I've been looking at a lot of the, the Stuff that's on offer um, And yeah, there's, there's a lot of Uh Cool things to try, you know, if you, if you do own a, a VR headset and have a PC. Um, so, I, I want to see that same thing on the, not just the PlayStation, but on consoles too. I want, you know, to be, I want people to be able to discover new Indian games, um, you know, and fall in love with them and have fun and things like that. Um, so, yeah, overall, I feel like, you know, Sony needs to think. About its direction It needs to not just uh, Because I I feel like their thinking now Is pretty much the same thinking they had When they were going into the PS3 You know Uh Um, So they need to be more um, Future thinking And understand What's going to push the industry Forward and uh, Potentially you know Keep them in that number one spot so um, they shouldn't just double down on AAA games. They
0: should be doing more, you know. So that's where so, I stand on it. I think, I think those are excellent thoughts all around that there is one final question that I would like to ask about this particular topic. And then this, this may go in, in another direction, but we'll, we'll see. So I agree hundred percent that. They should. They they should. I, I think they should diversify, focus on a lot of stuff. They have the indie titles still become a prominent thing to focus on? If you want to focus on the third party content, that's great. And I understand the point that Wesley, aka Midnight Games, made in the chat, which he says, "If I pay four hundred to five hundred dollars on a console, I want to play other titles, not just indie titles." I, I understand that, but I do want to ask this question because it said in that article. They were going to focus a lot more of their money, invest a lot more money into the uh, AAA titles, the third-party content. But they also mentioned, uh, you know, I guess the third-party deals. What are your thoughts on that? Because obviously that, that doesn't mean that you're just going to focus on obviously exclusive titles for your console, but it also means timed exclusive content maybe like stuff for Call of Duty, which will still be out in the next 10 years. I know you guys are probably getting tired of the franchise. It's still going to be out, though, you know, 10 years from now. So I want to get... What are y'all thoughts on the fact that... Because I'm pretty sure that's what that also means when they said they want to invest more money into third-party content. Yeah, timed exclusive. So how do y'all feel about that? And I'll go to you first, Taylor.
2: Well... (laughs) I mean, if they're going to invest more money in these AAA titles and these third-party exclusives and things like that, uh, I-, I feel like they definitely need to make sure they still maintain a level of diversity in terms of genre. Because um, even when you look at um, the exclusives for Sony and Microsoft kind of like side to side, I feel personally that the PlayStation 4 kind of one-ups the Xbox One in terms of exclusives just solely on its diversity factor because it's like you, if you go into like different tiers and things like that like quality and things like that um, definitely there's a lot more of diversity in the exclusives that they had whereas with uh, Microsoft I feel like a lot of their exclusives all kind of like have most or at least most of them are you know third party <laughs> like action shooting games but then you look at Sony who has all these exclusives that are also RPGs platformers adventure games all this stuff so um, the amount of diversity in genre, if they're going to focus on that, they need to make sure they maintain that level of diversity in each gaming genre to cater to all different walks of the hardcore gaming spectrum.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and 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 to, to quote uh, Wesley again in the chat, he said, that, yeah, they've been focusing on the third party deals already this gen. I know the Final Fantasy VII Remastered, a game that Gary... Cannot wait to play. It is coming to PS4 first. So, uh, yeah, that, that is correct. Um, but yeah, I agree. They do need to make sure that they diversify for genre, just like you stated. So, we'll see about that.
2: But in regards to just the, the timed exclusives, I mean, timed exclusives, I understand why they're a thing. I, I mean, I have very mixed feelings about the time exclusivity, uh, because I feel like, you know, making a game like, you know, uh, a timed exclusive can alienate certain fans. But at the same time, if it's like something like, you know, it, like it, there's, di- there's different ways to handle about it. Like I think a, a good example of wh- how not to do a timed exclusive would be, Rise of the Tomb Raider, how it was a time (laughs) exclusive for the Xbox One. I feel like that like but there are way there have been there have been examples of how it's worked for other, you know, systems. Like uh, like third party time exclusives have been successful and they do work if done correctly. It just depends on the circumstances. A case by case thing. But at the same time you cannot focus entirely on these third-party timed exclusivity deals you need to focus on acquiring a f- like fully acquiring like a third-party game uh, from like a company that you don't own as is the case with like so like an example being you know in like sony owning the ratchet and clank franchise not despite not owning the developer the developer still independent studio but um if you're gonna if you're gonna do timed exclusivity deals you still need to make sure you have a slew of first party exclusives or third party exclusives that nobody can get anywhere else. Because if it's a time exclusive, who's to say, how are you going to sell this person who wants to buy um, a, a Microsoft console over a PlayStation console? They're like, oh, well, this game's coming out soon for the PlayStation. Oh, but it's only going to be a time exclusive for a year. But suppose there's like a console exclusive on xbox that they really really want so it's like and they're like okay well this game's gonna come out in a year anyways i I could wait a little bit longer so uh, making sure you have a a, a nice balance of first party and third party exclusives as well as timed exclusive deals will definitely help kind of like you know prevail you in that console war or you know you know what i mean so
0: oh yeah absolutely and gary you have any thoughts
1: yeah i i agree they need to have uh balance so yeah you you need to have those time exclusive deals um because obviously that that adds a lot of value to the brand and everything and it will make people choose your console over the other but you also need to have uh, a lot of exclusive first party stuff as well um so that you know you're keeping the gamers engaged um you know as they Continue to beat these games and move on to the next one. So there's always something exclusive to play that's adding more value to the PlayStation brand. So yeah, they you know they definitely need that balance. And um, you know, uh, in addition to that, like we've been saying, they also need the Indies too. So. Um, if, you, if you're if you able to have all those things in one then that puts you in, a, in, in an excellent position and I feel like Sony's been in a, an excellent position for most of this generation that, that's pretty much what they've been delivering on you know, they've had the time-exclusive stuff they've had the great first-party stuff and they've had, you know, indie stuff um, and they've used PlayStation Plus to, to you know, kind of um, put the focus on a lot of these different indie games as well so they just need to keep that formula going, really, and I don't think they should double down on just one area. They need to just, you know, keep doing what they've been doing and also um, show some love to the VR, you know, uh, scene and everything. And uh, they're they're pretty much they pretty much already have a lot of momentum going into next generation, more so than Microsoft, in my opinion. So. Oh oh! Whoa. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> so, yeah i mean the, the only uh, thing i would say is uh microsoft has been preparing for next generation um, and they've secured a lot of great studios and i feel like maybe sony should should do some of that too like maybe they could expand um, some of their studios and you know build some more um so that you know some of these studios won't have to crunch as much um so maybe that's something they should think
0: about yeah so so you know this will be the last question uh, for this particular since you brought it up I have to ask so just if you if both of you was to give a I guess a prediction so to speak what are some of the games that you think we will definitely see on ps5 when it, it you know it, whether it's a launch game or it comes out after, what are some games you for sure, for sure think, which will back up the point that you say they already have a lot of momentum going into next gen and we don't have to worry about uh, the library of games? So, whoever wants to go first?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, because... <sighs> Well, first off, let me let me focus. Let me talk a little bit about some of the PlayStation Four exclusives that are coming out towards the end of this console generation. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they ported over like the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, I'm not saying it, it, it should be a launch title for the PS5, but if it comes out within the first year of its launch. Uh, that would definitely, um, that'd be plausible, because I could see some people saying, like, maybe not buying Final Fantasy 7, because, like, yeah I think it's, like, what, Episode 1 is gonna be out first, because it's still gonna be episodic, so I think that would be very beneficial if they released a fuller package, to the PlayStation 5 for those who didn't mm-hmm. play it on the PS4 because they didn't buy a PS4 yet because they were waiting for the PS5. Uh, I could see them doing the same thing uh, like what they did with The Last of Us where The Last of Us was like one of the last, if not the last first party exclusive for the PS3. And then I think it was like a little over a year later, they gave us The Last of Us Remastered. So, I mean, I don't know. I keep hearing that The Last of Us Part Two is going to come out in, in Q1 2020. Uh, I keep hearing about these rumors. It seems very plausible just given what's been going on with Sony right now, but I'm not, I don't work at Sony, so who's to say what's really going on? But just pure speculation leans toward a 2020 release. I could see them possibly doing that and then also porting it over like a month or maybe around the same day as the PS5's launch for the holiday season um I, I can definitely see a lot of sony's best exclusives from the ps4 in this generation being ported over to the ps5 in the coming months of its launch window like of the first year but also uh, with uh, exclusives in particular i would love to see uh, another spider-man game come to the playstation 5 i think that'll definitely help with sales everyone loves of, you know, Spider-Man on the PS4 last year. Um, it had some issues, but it was still a pretty good game for Sony, and it was definitely an exclusive that it sells the system. And uh, Sony has a lot of system selling exclusives this generation. So if they can if they can put out a lot of that same quality games, they're going to be okay. Uh, I would love to see them bring back some older games too. Like I would love to see them bring back the Jack and Daxter series. Um, I would love to see a new Ratchet and Clank game come out on the PS5. Although I would wish they would release one before the PS4's lifespan ends. But that just—it seems less likely as the days go on. But a lot of the games that were very popular, and a lot of these IPs that they own in the past, I think they have a really good leg up. Why not bring back Siphon Filter? Especially given that Metal Gear Solid is pretty much kind of like falling out of the wayside with what's going on right now. But who's to say that? Who's to say that they shouldn't bring that back and kind of reclaim the stealth genre? Especially since there's no Splinter Cell in the works. You know what I mean?
0: uh oh yeah and I'm very disappointed I was very disappointed to see that Splinter Cell wasn't announced so yeah it's horrible it's horrible but yes uh, Gary uh, you, you, some, some thoughts on your end yeah I have a couple hot takes here um, Oh so the first one,
1: first one is um, I think that the as far as the Final Fantasy 7 remake I feel like each episode is going to be uh, like timed exclusive to the PlayStation, you know, four and five, because um, this is a title like the original Final Fantasy is synonymous with, you know, the, the PlayStation, um, and because that's the console it came out on. So I feel like you know they have a deal with Square Enix to where these, you know, each episode is going to debut on the PlayStation. And uh maybe we, we may not even see a PC version until the entire story is finished, you know. And then maybe they'll put it on PC in one entire volume or something like that. Who knows? Um But yeah, I feel like those games are gonna be pretty much um exclusive or time exclusive. Um and the second hot take, which is a, a big hot take, um, I feel like um Bungie, Bungie's next game is going to be a PlayStation exclusive. That, that's my, that's my big uh, prediction, hot take of the day. And the reason I say that is because um, Destiny, the first Destiny, was kind of um, I saw that as you know um, a PlayStation title. Now obviously it was on Xbox, um, but they had more exclusive content. Uh, mm-hmm. There was actually content in, in the PlayStation version that, that wasn't in the Xbox version for like a whole year or something like that. So that game was, you know, made to be played on PlayStation. Like it was better experience on the
2: Yeah, it was the definitive version of it.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, now, obviously the second one um, that launched on PC as well as, as you know, everything else. Um, but I feel like maybe... Uh, Sony has struck like a good working relationship with Bungie and now that they've kind of parted ways with uh, Activision they have like full creative freedom and I feel like Sony is in a position to um, you know if they're smart they would be doing this they would fund their next project and have it be an exclusive PlayStation title like I feel like that would be a major deal like so... Um, I'm hoping that this plot take is actually real. Um, But, yeah, I could be completely wrong about this, but I feel like, you know, that could be a possibility.
2: Yeah, even if Bungie's next title isn't a PlayStation exclusive, uh, there is still a lot of Evidence that could that strongly implies that we can infer that whatever Bungie puts out next after Destiny Two, that it's definitely going to have some type of PlayStation exclusivity content, or you know what I mean. So e- even if the, even if it's not a PlayStation exclusive altogether, um, there could still they could still do what they did with Destiny One and Two, where they had some content that's only available or it's timed exclusive to Sony's console, things like that. So even if it's not a entirely playstation exclusive altogether there's still going to be some type of incentive for you to play bungie's next title on playstation over xbox console
1: yeah exactly and i feel like even just the narrative of that kind of deal is like its own form of marketing like the (laughs) former halo developer is now you know working with sony like Oh, that, yeah. would, that would be a major, like that would be a major narrative, you know, a major um, story in the industry. So um, that would kind of sell the game itself, I think. So it would make sense. But um, those are my two hot takes.
0: Those are some pretty good hot takes. Um, and just so I wrap up uh, my thoughts on, if, to answer my own question. Uh, I definitely feel like uh, it's pretty obvious there will be another God of War. You, you'll definitely see that on PS5. You'll see a Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Um, Spider-Man, yes, 100%. Because that whole first game was hints of what's coming next with this with, with the sequel. So we'll definitely see that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of titles to look forward to. I, I do think uh, Final Fantasy VII remake getting ported over, I see that happening, I do see Last of Us 2 dropping next year Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which is another game that I thought we were going to get a lot sooner maybe that will also come next year as well I have no idea Um, but sky's the limit there's a lot to look forward to and and as for the Xbox side of things, well we do know that the next Halo will be out next fall Um, aside from that, uh, Microsoft they have a lot more to show us Maybe we'll, we probably will. We will not know about any of this other stuff though until next E3. So we'll have to wait on that. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts on PS5 before we move on to the final bonus topic this week?
2: Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I hope that if they decide to do like the same concept when they did with the DualShock 4 with the touchpad interface, I hope it's not underutilized again because it, it seemed like, such, like, I don't know, I felt like early on it was kind of like saying, like, oh yeah, this is cool, I bet you can't do this on the Xbox One controller, huh? Um, I feel like, um, that would be an interesting mechanic for a lot of their exclusives in the future. I think if they do decide to do that again with a DualShock 5, they should, be sure to keep in mind that they have that, I mean, because I don't know, I felt like there was a lot of cool things they could have done with the DualShock 4's touchpad interface even if it wasn't for like third-party multi-platform games, at least with the exclusives for first-party titles and even third-party exclusives so, I just just hope that a lot more innovation in terms of just like the hardware and its accessories uh, is a lot more visible and utilized next generation
1: I agree Yeah, just to add on to that, I would like if um, the touchpad had uh, a mouse-like functionality Um, and, you know, it would be great if that was also on the Xbox, because I feel like you could bring over a lot of uh, PC, like, uh, popular genres, like uh, strategy games. You know, you could... Oh, RTS
2: would... Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You hit the soft spot there, Gary.
1: Oh, yeah, like, that would make it so much easier to, for those games to cross over if there was mouse like functionality built straight into the controller. So um, it'd be good if they, you know, maybe refined it to, to work like that.
2: Do you think uh, in the next generation that Sony and Microsoft will embrace more of the keyboard and mouse as a as a legitimate controller for console gaming? I mean, we're seeing it a little bit with Microsoft. I mean, they had that partnership with Razer and there's several third party accessories that allow you, I mean, with a few loopholes. Well, not necessarily loopholes, but just having to go through a few obstacles to get it to function where you can use a keyboard and mouse. And I know with like some. Uh, game servers that like more specifically for multiplayer games. Like I think with like Overwatch, I know that certain console players get banned if they use a keyboard and mouse, but I I feel like with the way things are, especially with esports becoming such a mainstream thing in just entertainment overall, I think to embrace the that as, like, a keyboard and mouse as a legitimate controller for these console platforms would definitely kind of help fill that void for people that want to play and are playing more competitively on console games over PC.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, that, that's a great question, right? The, I think they should definitely, you know, push that more. Like, have it, have it so that, you know, you can plug in your keyboard and mouse day one And, you know, it will work with uh, As long as, you know, of course The the developers and everything give you the ability um, They should have it so that, you know You can use it with with every game Because, like you said Esports is becoming a big deal You know, becoming a big industry uh, You know um, Its own industry, actually You know um, And I think to have parity You know, um, in the esports industry It's important that people are able To play with the same um, tools and devices, you know, um, across the board, and you know, maybe in like a game like Overwatch, you can have separate uh, rooms dedicated to people who want to use keyboard and mouse on console, so that there's no unfair advantage, and you know, things like that. Um, but I, I think it's definitely important because there are certain esports games where you just have a stronger advantage if you use keyboard and mouse, and you know, with Overwatch League. Keyboard and mouse is the standard. Like, you know, the pros. You know, if, to be a pro in Overwatch, you have to play on PC and you have to play with keyboard and mouse. That's, that's just what it is. You know. So, um, to further expand the esports market, I feel like that that's an important thing that people are all able to use the same controllers and tools and everything in, in these games. So um, they should definitely have that functionality there day one.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So, any other thoughts on Sony before we move on to this final topic? Uh, I'm, I'm good.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, so, this is a topic that you came up with, Gary, so I'll let you introduce it.
1: Oh, yeah, so, you know, since... um. You know, most of what we were talking about today is, is a lot of rumors and you know insider talk and stuff like that because we're in sort of the off season for, for gaming. So, you know, I wanted to bring back some of these evergreen uh, segments that we had in the past where we're just talking about our personal, you know, likes and experiences with video games and and stuff like that. And we're just, you know, introducing fun topics and discussion. So um I wanted to start off by, um, you know, having this conversation about, you know, what is your favourite video game from the 90s, basically, Um, and we're going to do this um, to cover different periods as well, so, you know, maybe on the next episode we'll have what's your favourite game from... 2000 to 2010 and then you know the next week it will be 2010 to 2019 or whatever so um we're going to start off with the 90s uh because you know i i did play games in the 80s but i was a baby pretty much so uh, oh <laughs> i didn't really play a lot so um so yeah we're, we're starting with the 90s so um we're gonna go around and Basically, just talk about what your favorite game from that, you know, that decade was and why. So, um,
0: do you want me to go first, Rich, or? Uh, how about we, uh, put Taylor on the spot? Mm. And she can, she can go first. (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay so um so well first off i i would like to address to the fans i mean you two already know me personally but i do want to address to the fans that um i was born in 1995 so um but i do have a favorite 90s game because i know you guys were concerned about whether or not i would have one um i mean i don't know this is it's really hard when you ask me, like, what, which one is my favorite, because, like, I, I could honestly say I have at least, like, there's a, I could make a list of, like, the top five, uh, but I guess for the sake of just, like, this, this particular question, uh, I, I made the decision to choose this game, um, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, uh, now, I was also considering A Link to the Past, uh, which is actually my favorite Zelda game, Chrono Trigger, uh, Quake, as well as Metal Gear Solid for this list. But I decided to say Ocarina of Time for this, like just for this podcast, because um, the, the Nintendo 64 was actually one of my first home consoles that I ever got as a kid. Uh, the PlayStation 2 was actually the first one that I got to own as myself. Like I have a twin brother. Uh, so we shared that in 64, but I was definitely playing on it a lot more. Um, so I remember as a kid, I remember seeing the commercials for Ocarina of Time. I used to read a lot of gaming magazines when those were actually still relevant and not obsolete um, <laughs> as a form of gaming media. Um, and I would see ads and stuff for it for The Legend of Zelda all the time, and I really wanted to play it. Um, so I remember we went to Blockbuster one weekend and I saw the box art for it. I looked at the back and I was like, okay, yes, I gotta rent this fucking game. And I spent all weekend just playing that game as a kid and um, and when I, so it's one of my favorite, it's like in my top five Zelda games, it's one of my favorite games of the N64. Um, and I, it's one of the games that I felt like kind of defined the later half of that decade in terms of gaming. And of course, I know other people could say, oh, well, you know, you could have also said, you know, Metal Gear Solid or even Final Fantasy 7 for that matter. But for me, in terms of my personal gaming experience back then, uh, Ocarina of Time was definitely my favorite 90s game.
0: I would I say that that's a that's an awesome choice, uh, and, and and a reminder of how difficult this is going to be to try to narrow it down to one game. <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I guess I'll I'll, I'll go next, uh, and then you know, so then all the pressure could be on Gary to to try and close us out on, a, on 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 a high note. Oh. Uh, so, um, this is very difficult for me to really go back into because. Uh, I know I've said multiple times when, we, when we, every week we've we, done these shows, I said that, you know, well, I remember when I picked up the Xbox 360 for the first time, Bioshock was a game that I absolutely, positively, that was a game that I, one of my favorite games that I played on the, on the system. But prior to that, you know, as a fan of first-person shooters, um, I mean, I like all types of genres. I also like fighting games. But if I was to narrow it down to one of the favorite games that I did play in the 90s that I actually enjoyed, it's it's really two games. Uh, Goldeneye 007. Uh, That game, for whatever reason, I was hooked on that game. You know, I I enjoyed the hell out of that. Not just the the story, but then the multiplayer they had in there as well. That was just an awesome experience. Uh, And right next to that, uh, definitely uh, Half-Life. Because... I did get into the Orange Box when that came out on 360. I did get back into that, but I do recall playing Half-Life from the very beginning. And I was one of those people, yes, that asked, when the hell are we going to get a Half-Life 3? And I know my answer, so I won't ask that question ever again. But, um, yeah, Half-Life was great. But, yeah, in terms of the games that I've enjoyed the most, definitely, definitely GoldenEye 007. Uh, and, and again, there are so many games that I could talk about and list out. But just to narrow it down, GoldenEye007, that was a classic to me. So that's that's my pick. So, Gary, now the, the pressure is all on you. <laughs> all right. No
2: pressure, Gary.
0: I have
1: to congratulate you both on those great picks. Those were definitely classics. But um, I'm going to have an honorable mention just because you like this. Uh-oh. Th- this Oof. honorable mention was a big part of me discovering that I was even a gamer. And, uh, that's Streets of Rage. Um, I guess specifically Streets of Rage 2, but I liked Oof. the entire trilogy. Um, so yeah, Streets of Rage 2 on the, the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis. Um, you know, I, I fell in love with this game. I was like, um, I must have been like, I don't know, um, seven seven eight years old when it came out and i could not stop playing the game i i loved it to death um you know on my sick days off of school i would do nothing but play streets of rage uh to take my mind off of being sick and everything um and yeah like i learned every trick every secret in the game you know, I mastered it as much as possible, and yeah, it was just my go-to game. Like, I would play nothing but that for for years. You know, like even when the PlayStation was out, I would still go back and play Streets of Rage. You know, here and there. So that's definitely my honorable mention. Uh, my my number one, like my my actual favorite game from the '90s, is uh, is predictable. So I, I apologize, uh, but. Final Fantasy 7, man.
2: Uh Uh-oh,
0: uh-oh. Oh! (laughs) Oh!
1: (laughs) And yeah, like like I said at the top of the show, I've actually been replaying it again. And every time I replay it, I'm amazed because I, I always put myself back into the mind of someone in the 90s. So, you know, every time I play it, I'm thinking of the technology and the things that were possible at that point in time. And, you know, because I'm putting myself in that mindset, I'm always blown away by the game just because they were able to achieve so much with the, the, the limited technology they had. You know, um, like even just because, you know, the, the character models, they're basically just small blocky polygons. But, you know, even though they they're nothing like character models nowadays, um, they were able to convoy so much emotion like they 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 were able to show us the emotions of the characters using you know things like the music and the dialogue and you know even with the dialogue i feel like i'm hearing them say it like there's no voice in the game but i feel like i'm hearing them say these lines like in my head just because the characters are so well defined given the technology that they were working with So, you know, the story that they're able to tell with that game and the things they were able to do and the scope of the game was just incredible for that time, you know, 1997. So, yeah, that game, in my opinion, is a masterpiece. I don't, like me personally, I remember saying um, this game doesn't even need a remake. But, you know, now that I've seen the remake at at E3 this year, I've kind of changed my stance on that a bit because it does look exciting. It does look amazing. Um, and it's definitely going to be, you know, a great new play... Uh, uh, sorry, new way to experience the uh, the series. But, yeah, like, the 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 original Final Fantasy VII is it's just amazing. And it, it brings me back to that time. And I just feel like every time I play it, I'm amazed all over again, you know. So, um, a a game to have that effect on me every time, like... It, yeah, that that's definitely my favorite from the '90s, hands down.
0: Oh. That's a good choice.
1: Yeah, man. So I'm sorry it was so predictable, but yeah, like there there wasn't another game I could pick.
0: uh Oh, well, I, I, well, I will say this: when we get to the 2010 to the 2019. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that you were banned from saying Overwatch is the game. <laughs> during that period of time,
1: yes. Uh, oh, that, that's going to be hard then.
2: If you if you were to say the 2000s, I already I, I already know what I would have fixed. Like uh, hands down, yep.
1: See, I don't know if we should spoil that yet because I I really want to know, but I don't know if we should uh <laughs> if we should spoil that in case you're on the next one, but.
2: but uh, 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 I'll, I'll leave it in suspense. Uh, there's a, there's several games in that particular decade that I've talked a lot about. Because uh, keep in mind, since I am a, like, I was born in 95, um, a lot of my gaming experience and a lot of my childhood memories were coming from that sixth generation. Um, and uh, there was uh, several games that kind of helped shape me into the gamer I am and helped me shape into why I'm the professional that I am uh, and things like that. Uh, so there's 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 like at least three good games that I've talked about very consistently on Twitter specifically that it could could it could be so I'll, I'll leave it in suspense because maybe I'll be on the next episode who knows
0: yeah
1: yeah that sounds good but low key I'm gonna ask you off air what it is just
2: because <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I won't say okay but I'm not but do not ask me why I'll, I'll give you that answer but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give the explanation I'll save that
0: <laughs> okay Fair enough Sounds good So uh Was there any other topics that y'all wanted to mention Or uh You pretty much wrap up the show
2: Uh, uh I'm good
1: <laughs> Yeah I'm, uh, I'm good That was a little great discussion
0: Absolutely So uh I want to take a mo- moment to th- thank you all for listening to today's show Definitely would like to thank Taylor for being on um, and, and, and please feel free to, look, to to give your shout outs and, and let us know, let everybody know how they can follow you on Twitter, etc.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you guys want to follow me, um, on my social media, uh, my username on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat is Tay Nixer. That's T-A-Y-N-I-X-S-T-E-R. Uh, if you want to hear more about my thoughts on the industry, uh, check me out on the Gamer Nation podcast. The links in the description on my, on all my profiles on social media. Um. So, if you just type in hashtag the Gamer Nation podcast on Google, you're bound to find us because we're actually on Anchor. We're on Spotify. We're on pretty much anything you can think of to find a podcast. So it's pretty accessible to listen to.
0: Yes, sounds good. Definitely check that out. I give that. I give it a thumbs up. Um. So yeah, I do do a quick shout out to everybody on the coalition staff. Uh, we'll also take this moment to wish a happy belated birthday to Mr. Jake James Google. Uh, I did, I did, I did hit him up yesterday. So, um, yes, definitely give him some shout outs. Uh, I want to shout out everybody on the staff as well. Dana, everyone, etc. Um, and I did want to let everybody know as well. That we're actually going to be doing a giveaway tomorrow on the website, so I'm not going to tell you which game it is quite yet, but you definitely want to pay attention to the Twitter account tomorrow, because we're not going to be doing a giveaway, so stay tuned for that in the website. And Gary, the floor is now yours for outs.
1: Yep, so um, I want to give special thanks to, you know, some of our uh, long time uh, supporters on Patreon and everything, so... Uh, special thanks to M. Collins, Mauricio Aguilar, Him Dill, Fergus Mills, Miguel, Antonio Rogers, and Sean Goretti. Uh, we, we appreciate all of the, the long term support and everything. Um, I also want to shout out Wesley, who joined us um, in the chat today. Um, and, you know, also want to shout out Reggie, um, who's one of the most enthusiastic, you know, gaming people i i i know and you know we're always talking to him on twitter and everything and he keeps me in the loop on what's happening so big shouts to reggie um and i want to shout you know everyone at the coalition and everyone on the throwdown as well um and thank you for being here also taylor um it was great to have you finally so
2: yeah, like I said, it was a pleasure. Thank you guys for inviting me. Uh, hopefully, I was <laughs> I was entertaining enough to come on for future episodes.
1: Oh yeah, we, we definitely have to have you back again.
0: Absolutely. So, once again, thank you all for listening. Hope that you have a great week ahead, and we will talk to you all next weekend. i <laughs>